So the Neighborhood Emergency Response Team training program was started in 1990. The citizens of the Marina District came to the San Francisco Fire Department and said, can you teach us a program to survive on our own for at least three days? There's a 62% chance that we are going to have a probability of 6.7 or greater earthquake. What would happen in case we had an 8.3 on the San Andreas or a 7.4 on the Hayward Fault? 71 large fires, 40 major rescue operations. Lone Prieta, there were only four major rescue operations. There were just 34 structure fires. We would need 273 engines to handle this. We have 41. You're going to be on your own, and we better all be prepared. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go overview of the Neighborhood Emergency Response Team Training Program. Part of this training program is helping you to make those um, decisions that are going to save lives. In this situation, this person carrying a pail of water to put out that fire is not going to put out the fire. Next week, you will be learning about basic fire suppression. How many people have used a fire extinguisher before? Okay, maybe only about 10% of you. By the end of the sixth week, you'll actually be putting out a fire and using a fire extinguisher. Fire extinguishers are around in practically every apartment building. You should have it in your home too as well. You don't want to learn how to use a fire extinguisher when there's big fire in front of you. Next week, they will also go over all the utilities that you have in your home or in your apartment buildings, which is when you would turn off your natural gas and why, when you would turn off your electricity, where and why, and also water. Hazardous materials is also going to be talked about next week. How many people have hazardous materials in their home? Okay, I only see about 35, 40% of you. Well, you're going to find out that all of you have hazardous materials in your home. The third week of class, we're going to teach you about disaster medicine. When we tell you that this program is about doing the most good for the most people, that's you, 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 and you going into a room, spending 30 to 45 seconds maximum on one single person doing three life-saving techniques. So by the fourth week, you've gone through the utility controls, you've gone through the disaster medicine. Now we want to teach you as search and rescuers how to keep yourself safe by identifying buildings that are safe to go into and not safe to go into. Also in class number four, this is very important that sometimes objects are too heavy for you to physically lift off of a body. We're going to teach you a method called cribbing, which will use a fulcrum, a lever, and anything you have, whether it's nicely cut wood, books, cement blocks, so that you can use this technique so that few people can lift very heavy objects off somebody that needs to be rescued. By week number five, now that we've told you the basics of what you need to do when you go out to do a search and rescue, now you have to have a plan. Okay, every program needs to have a plan. We can't just say, here are your skills, go for it. Class number six, which is always the funnest class, is after we do half an hour of the final exam, we're going to split you up into teams of about, it looks like about ten people each. You're going to be putting out the fires. You'll be going into a very dark room doing an interior search. You're going to be treating people with injuries on them. You'll be doing cribbing, right, so lifting a heavy object off of an Annie doll. And then you're also going to be getting your ID. Okay, you're going to be also be going out and learning about how to turn off utilities too as well. So this one is really the hands-on portion. We're building you up to the hands-on scenario. When earthquake strikes, what do you do? Right now, let's say you feel a tremor right now and it's going to shake. What are you guys going to do? All right, 40 people should be behind that one doorway. Okay, wait, three doorways. All right, where, where are we going to go? What do you think? Under the table. Under the table. Okay, now we've got two tables. <laughs> so, 
if it'd be survival to finish, we would get pushed out, right? Um, if you do have a table, that's correct. Get underneath the table. Look above you. What's going to fall? That's what's consider. That's what you have to consider. What's going to hit the you know, top of the head? Okay. Uh, most of the chairs here, pretty decent. If you're in a movie theater or a stadium, what will you do? It's going to be the same thing here. You got rows of chairs. You might, these chairs are not exactly heavy-duty chairs, but covering your head is most important. If you have nothing to, just say this uh, is an empty room. Get against the wall if you can and cover your head. Okay, so you worry about the head injuries. Um, a lot of cuts in a disaster. Your hands, your arms will get cut, but those are those you could probably control the bleeding. Whereas a head injury is a lot harder. So cover your head. Most important, most important thing to do. When you do duck cover and hold on, be aware. Okay, Loma Prieta was 15 seconds in duration. Out here in the marina, people say it felt like almost a minute. So if you're covering underneath yourself on the table here and it's shaking, what's going to happen in about 30 seconds? You look up, where's the table? You know, so hold on to the table, very important. If you're inside, stay inside. Don't go for the known to the unknown. Let's say you're downtown. Okay? You're in an office building or maybe you're, you're shopping in Macy's, down floor. Do you run out in the middle of the street? No, you stay kind of where you're at. If you know you're right there, how much time do you have? Seconds. You got to make a decision. What are you going to do within seconds? If you don't, if you run out the middle of the street, what do you think will happen? You get hit by a car. You got windows, glass will fall on top of you. High-rise buildings, furniture. So it's safer if you kind of know where you're at to stay there than to go to somewhere you don't know what's, what's there. Okay. Get underneath a desk or table, something that creates a void space. Move about as little as possible. And the reason for that is, you know, when we say the shaking, you know, anywhere between 30 seconds to a minute. And then once it's, once it's over, these things still have a tendency to fall over or tipped over. So give it a little bit of time to move around. If you move around, you'll be unprotected. So we want you to stay where you're at until the shaking stops. Of course, if there's imminent danger coming towards you, you want to move. Okay. So, <clears throat> picture this: collapsed buildings. Okay, against the wall, there's no protection. Now, will I go behind this wall right here? Lean against, covering my head. No, no, no. The pictures, picture frames. If they come off, and they hit me top of the head. More injuries. So, be aware of that. Try to get uh, look behind you before you go lean against the wall. Also. The void spaces between floors. Uh, sometimes, wrong place at the wrong time, there's no way you get, it will still collapse down this way. So try to find a void space if you can. Against the wall, sometimes next to something that's pretty sturdy, they'll block up against you. Okay. So how much time do you have? Very short. On this picture, where's a good spot? Okay, which set of tables? The rectangular ones or circle ones? Round ones, which you, which you wouldn't think. Tangle more stability. Make sure if you do go over here, there's no windows on top of you, okay, in between here. If you go to round ones a little further in, notice there's skylights, the lights above, they'll fall down, they'll hit you. But either table is fine, but if you stay further away from these windows, a little better. If you do still, still stay these rectangular tables are larger, then make sure you go between the windows and make sure the glass doesn't pop and cut you.
How about uh, stairwells? Elevators? What do you think? You want to get in elevators? No. No. Okay, you'll be stuck there for a while. Um, if you do go down a stairwell, now let me think. If there is an earthquake and you're in a high-rise building, do you have to get out if the shaking stop and the building standing straight up? No. If it has a collapse in the disaster, the chances are it will stay up. So outside, where is an open area? you got to know that from the high-rise building with glass breaks, it floats and it can hit two or three blocks away from where the high-rise building is. So be aware of that. Always look above and ground level when you're outside after disaster. Just because you're walking around, you want to look up, make sure there's nothing coming towards you. There's going to be up to about anywhere between three to five feet of glass on Market Street. That, that's what they're considering. That's certain areas. Okay? On top of that, you're going to have office furniture. You're going to have other debris falling into the street. But even if you're in a car, if you're next to large, huge brick buildings, if that brick building call collapsed on top of you, there's no real safe place to go. Okay. How about here? I mean, the safest spot is second base. No doubt about it. Okay. But you got, you got 60,000 people who want to be on second base. All right. People got injured just jumping chairs, twisted ankles. The safest spot is actually between the chairs. Cover your head. Get your head below the seat. I know it's kind of a little cruddy down there, but get your head below the seat so that if anything falls, the weight, the chairs will break the fall so you don't get hurt. If you're driving, put on your flashers. Don't stop right away. If you stop, somebody behind you don't know what's happening. They're going to hit you rear in you right now. So put on your flashers. Slow down. Look in rear view. Slow down. Pull over to the side of the road. Okay? Stop, stay in the car and wait till the shake and stop. You just leave some protection on, for your head. If, you, if a wire hits your car, don't get out. Okay. But do not park on an overpass, under an overpass, on a bridge, next to an unenforced masonry building because of a crushed car, under trees, or power lines, and next to freeway sound walls. You know what freeway sound walls are? You go down, how far? Okay. This are the spots you don't want to park. Unfortunately, in the city, there's a lot of spots like that. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's a pretty common response. In a, in a, uh, my experience with driving was I was going home after the Lone Prairie earthquake. I was driving going home, and I had to go two miles. You know how long it took me to drive two miles? Three hours. And, and it's just it's my willingness, unwillingness to give up my car because I could just park the car, walked home, came back after the earthquake, drove off. But you know I'm thinking the whole time I'm you know I'm driving just in case I'm driving. It would have been a lot easier if I just walked. On the freeway, what do you think? This person driving this truck survived. He got out, waited for help. There would be a lot of people, a lot of emergent volunteers, a lot of people who, who just have certain skills that they'll get to them. How about a Bay Bridge? You can't outrun the Bay Bridge if you're stuck on there. If you have to drive after, drive slow. Drive 5, 10 miles an hour. Look further ahead, just in case the roads are a little, little t difficult to maneuver. You know, the punching shear. And we would say, other people, you can't drive around it. Even if you had a motorcycle, it's hard to drive around this area. Okay. So just be aware. Sometimes it's easier to walk than to drive off. With this, this is 6th and Blossom Street. Of the 11 people that died, 
six were right here. And they were just waiting for the family members to get off. And this is unfortunately, it was next to an uh, unreinforced masonry building with collapsed on top. So, home preparation. Have emergency supply kit. At least three. Okay, one for home, one for work, one for the car. Now, emergency supply kit, you want it for at least, for home, you want it for at least five days. Our old saying was three. Now, because after Hurricane Katrina, we're anticipating at least five days. Okay. For work, a lot of workplaces have earthquake supplies. Make sure that they do. If they don't, keep a small one for yourself or maybe some of your coworkers. Okay. For your car, uh, a little first aid kit, a flashlight, a pair of shoes. Just in case if you're driving and then you run out of gas, you have to walk. Wear something comfortable. Okay, so water. How much water do you need? For 72 hours was the recommended minimum. Now we're, we're pushing toward five. Now where can you get water in your home? If you use the hot water heater, you have to turn off the gas. It's thermostat in there. If you drain your water heater, if you don't turn off your gas, it will still light up. And it probably cause a little explosion, which will cause a fire. So sources of water, water heater, ice cubes, canned vegetables. And toilet tank for hand washing only. The back of the tank, you can also treat water with bleach, okay, to make this potable water. But remember, it should be a fresh bottle of bleach. If once you open plain bleach, then it, it starts losing the effect of this, of the bleach. One capful for one gallon of water, stir it up, wait, wait about 15, 20 minutes, and then maybe you want to wash your hands, treat wounds, worst case scenario, wait a half hour, you drink it, it tastes like pool water, all right? But it's still, you kill all the germs. How about food? What kind of food do you want to keep? What, what's the first thing you want to eat? All perishable items, correct. Open your refrigerator, don't open them too much. You open it, eat all perishable food first, and then you want to save emergency supplies also. So what kind of emergency supply of food do you want to keep? Energy bars. Energy bars are good, that's good. Dry fruit is good. Tuna fish is, is good, okay. You want to keep canned vegetables. Canned corn, canned peas, canned carrots. Because the reason for that is you could drain that and drink the water and still eat the vegetables. Save the food or buy canned food that you like to eat normally. Have a can opener. First aid kit. Okay, I have a first aid kit available to you. Have three. You have a small one in the car. You can buy a small kit for your car. Have a nice size one for home. And then have, make sure you have one at work. Make sure if you normally take certain medicine. You're diabetic, you've got a heart condition, you need nitroglycerin, something that normally take, keep an extra week's supply available to you. Don't wait till you get the last one and renew your prescription. Have a storage area for all this. Okay? <clears throat> when, consider this. If you have a disaster supply kit, make sure you have one that is mobile also. Okay? When we talk about mobile, meaning if you have to evacuate one square mile, be it for disaster, be it for terrorists, be it for anything, have something you carry with you just in case you're going to be on your own for a little bit. You might not be in your home. You might be somewhere else. You might have to, well, this area, there's, there's definitely a tsunami coming in. You have to get out. Make sure you have supplies just in case. Okay? So make sure you have one mobile. You want a large supply for the whole family. If you have kids at home, you know, what do you want to keep for them? Make sure you have something to keep them entertained. 
Make sure you have food that they like. Okay. The most useful tool in a disaster. Scissors, right? Because it's, it's used for bandages. Okay. If you you can use sheets, you can use curtains. You know, you can use clothes. But if you use clothes, use their clothes. If you use your clothes, after two or three patients, you're going to be kind of cold yourself. What else is pretty important? I mentioned. Duct tape. All right? Many uses for duct tapes. What you want to do is have garbage bags. You line your, trash, you line your toilet with a trash bag. And you want to line it a second one. Keep this one. Line it up. Use some duct, duct tape. Tape it around. That will be your base. In case any, any other bag is holding it. Put a second bag in there. Okay? So now, in disaster, you don't have to go outside. You go to privacy your own bathroom. You close the door, take care of business, and you close it up. That way, you have one lined up in your toilet at all times. So when you need to use it, take one out and just tie it up. All right? Okay. Comfortable shoes. I mentioned earlier. If you have one in the, in the trunk of your car, that's great. You also have one at work. Get an old pair of sneakers, put it in the bag, cover it up, just put it in a desk far below. Okay? That way, in case you have to walk from the office, you have some comfortable shoes to walk home with. Pet food, make sure you have, if you have pets, a lot of people here have pets, yes, make sure you have food for them, have water for them also. Uh, kids too, make sure you got, you got stuff to keep them entertained. I have little kids at home, and I tell you, after two hours, you know, they're keeping me entertained for two hours after that, I'm going to be in trouble. So be aware of that. Information. These are the, initially, you're going to have all the, all the radio stations going to have emergency broadcasting system. They're going to tell you where to, where to go, where's the shelter supplies. Initially, after any disaster, all the radio stations will broadcast all the, all the uh, what's happening, what's, the news to tell you what's happening. Uh, and after that, a day or so after, this is where they start broadcasting where where those, uh, the evacuation centers are, where the staging areas are, where to get medical help. Fire extinguishers, one per floor. We consider that a safe bet. But one per floor for, for fire extinguishers. And if you don't know how to properly use it, we will use it class number six. We'll talk about it in class number two. Now, a good disaster plan includes a reunification site. This is where I talk about the phones. If you pick up your home phone and you don't hear a dial tone, just hold on to it. Within a period of time, you might get a tone. And once you get that one tone, you get a chance to make a phone call. Okay, so make sure it's landline. And you got a hard wire to, to the, to the uh, socket, not, not plugged in. And if you can make a phone call, you should be able to call somewhere else further away. If you have one person out of state, that way they're not affected. When you call them, they're going to start tabbing down who's okay, who's not, who hasn't called yet, who's in barrier, hasn't called. That way you know who, you, who you're waiting for. You can effectively work as a disaster worker after the, after the earthquake or disaster. If you know everybody in your family is safe, you have no worries, maybe you're at work, you couldn't go back home. Or just say, if you, if you work in a city and you live in, in the North Bay and the bridge is down, make that phone call. Your family is safe, you're safe. Okay, I'll, I'll, I could do more work helping here, helping the people in San Francisco then if I try to get back right away. So that way your family knows you're okay, you could, you could effectively be a rescuer in the city. Having a family plan, Okay. Having a family plan, meaning you know, twice a year, we said, this is a good time right now because we move our clock. They said, change your batteries and your uh, smoke detectors. Also, 
to replenish your earthquake supplies with new food and to talk to your family, especially if you have little ones or your spouses, saying that what are you going to do in the event of a disaster? If they go to school, the school has a disaster plan set in place. If earthquake hits, they're going to evacuate them to certain areas. You're going to have to pick them up if they're under a certain age. If they're over a certain age, they pretty much go home on their own. Okay, so find out through your school what is their evacuation plan. Talk to your family. And don't wait for a disaster. You should talk about it tonight. Having a family plan is everybody in the event of a disaster, either meet in the front of the house or meet in the back. You choose. As soon as you know everybody's safe, then if you want to go back there and, and get something, that's fine. That's, you, as long as you know you're safe, your spouse is safe, everybody in the family is safe, and if that person wants to use a garden hose to put out the fire, that's fine with us. Hazard mitigation, okay. you're fitting your home. Now, to do it properly, uh, remember I said, it, it's quite expensive, but if you don't, this is a possibility. Okay. A single-story wood structure building is one of the safest buildings to be in, but it, it still can shift. So it has to be bolted to the foundation. Strapping the water heater. Now, <clears throat> everybody look at the water heater. Know where is that? And if you change it within the last 10 years, they'll strap it. If you haven't changed it more than that, they might not have strapped it. It might be free, free, I say freestanding. The proper code now is if it's in the garage, it has to be elevated 18 inches, has to be strapped, Top third and the bottom third, and it has to be used to be plumber's tape like this. This is uh, three quarter inch. Now it's one inch wide metal tape, and you need top third and, and the bottom third, and it has to be bolted against a stud, not just drywall. You can't bolt against drywall, but it has to be against a stud. Earthquake eyes. This is what to look for around your home. How many people have that? Books on top of the shelves, ready to fall. Yeah, this is a law library, and what they do is to bolt at the bottom of the shelving. So when the earthquake hit, they just move sideways. Office buildings, filing cabinets. A lot of times, the filing cabinets, people they don't want to bend down all the time. Open the shelf, they don't put everything on top. So if you do that, it will be top heavy. It's a tendency to fall over. To mitigate the problem, either lock it or balance the weight out. Computers, how to mitigate that problem? Now, <clears throat> notice. What is it? This new computer here. Not <laughs> matrix. The screens. So you can save yourself a lot of money by strapping it down. Putting Velcro, super Velcro on it so it doesn't fall off. Okay. So if you tilt it over, it's only the stuff on top will fall off. Okay, how about glass? To be properly safe, or properly uh, um, closest, you should be 15 feet away from the window. Okay, how many people have 30-foot windows or 30-foot bedrooms? Okay. <laughs> There's, there's a handful, but not, uh, usually not too many. But the best thing to do is you, you can buy a film to put over the glass. So it'll break like a um, uh, uh, car windshield so that it, it shatters and stays together. Or you close the drapes. When you're sleeping, just close the drapes. So if this break, it'll shatter against the drapes and it'll fall to the ground and you won't get cut. Okay. Also put a pair of slippers underneath your uh, bed. Just in case. I mean, most of us probably, you know, at nighttime, Close our eyes, get out of bed, go to the bathroom, come back, never have to worry about it, right? You know where it is. But now, in, in the event of a disaster, an earthquake, you might have glass on the carpet. You might have glass on the floor. So if you get out and start walking, you're going to get cut. How about this? Kitchen, right? 
kitchens are one of the most dangerous places to be in a disaster because that's where all the stuff is going to break. It's, it's going to be in the kitchen. Okay? Where you put the heaviest, largest pot? You, usually f- top shelf, way to back, maybe over the refrigerator, somewhere that you never usually go to, right? Least accessible area, usually the largest pots. So they're going to the first thing to fly out. Okay? How do you mitigate that problem? What do you think? Safety latches. <laughs> Actually, all my house was, I have, I have a five and seven year old, and I, everything was baby safe, so baby proof pretty early on. And that's the same thing for earthquake proofing. You don't want the, the cabinets to open up, all the glass to come out. So everything kind of will stay in except for whoever's on the counter. The way to do it in New York, <laughs> double latch, triple latch. But these are just different types. You can put hooks on there, you put safety latches, you can even put the magnetic ones, as long as the doors don't open. Museum wax. That's another good item. Anybody ever heard of museum wax? See this expensive $40 vase? If there's an earthquake, it won't fall. You notice that? Because we use this stuff. It's like a silly putty. You just glue it on. So you have anything that's of value that you don't want breaking in a, an earthquake, just get some of this. They have the hardware stores. All hardware stores have them. Electrical hazard. Anybody have this at home? Okay. All right. Where do you live? Because <laughs> you get caught. <laughs> now, this is, why, why is this a big hazard? I mean, aside from being an earthquake, but why is this a big hazard? Okay. Most of the homes built in, in the city before the 1850s was meant for one socket. It wasn't meant for a wall heater, a computer, a stereo, everything plugged into it. It was meant for one item and the, and, and the light above, which is a separate system. Hazardous material. Okay, poisoning. If, if you accidentally ingest any poison or, or hazardous material at home, this Drano, different things, just make sure you read the labels. So it's very important. Make sure you know what you have at home just in case anybody accidentally ingests it. Also, make sure you know what you have so that you don't cross-contaminate. You know, you don't, you don't want to put bleach right next to ammonia, right? In a disaster, when these break and they start mixing, what's going to happen? You know, big hazardous material spill in your house. So be aware of this. <clears throat> How about this? Is it a typical garage? Most people don't have gas because in the suburbs you do. Not too many people have lawnmowers in the city. But if you have lawnmowers or power tools that need gasoline, that's fine. Store it. Store it low. Gas fumes are heavier than air. So they're going to creep down on the bottom. And also, if you, if you have to store gas, store it mostly full. You leave a little bit for expansion, but if you have empty gas container, Chances of that igniting is easier than a full container. Okay. Also, all this, if you want to protect yourself, put bungee cords across it. So that way it doesn't fall off in an earthquake. Bungee cord from one end, just, you can screw it in, snap it across, so that way it just keeps everything against the shelf and not fall over. Make sure the shelf is also screwed into the wall. If it's screwed against the stud, it's not going to tilt over. Once you go home, well, look at some of your hazards. So just little things, get earthquake supplies, get everything in, in a box. Wherever you put it, there's no correct spot to put it. Some people put a large trash can and put it outside the yard. Okay, some people put it in the garage. It's up to you where you want to put it. If you live in an apartment building, you might put it in the closet. But it, there is no correct spot. It's where everybody in your family know where it is. If you're not home and then a disaster hits, where are they going to find it? Okay? Don't be the only one to know it. The whole family should get involved, meaning 
you, your spouse, family members, kids, you tell, let them know where it is. That way, in the event something happens, they can get to it. If you could take care of yourself, that's a big load off of us. And if you could help us a little bit, it's an even bigger load to help off the fire department. That's what, that's what the program is. And we can save a few people. That's all we need. So remember, self, your family, your neighbors, a few days out, I mean, a few hours after, then that's when you start forming NERT teams. And we know that it hasn't been, never been tried yet, been activated a few times for Y2K. After 9-11, we have the people at the comm center. But the NERT team hasn't been tried yet. And if, if you go there directly after disaster, you might be there by yourself. So a few hours after, that's when people start forming. That's when they're going to help out. So homework. This is the homework. You don't have to write it down. It's in the manual. You can look at the second page. It tells you. So simple things for your home. Make sure you prepare for it. Identify hazardous condition in your house. Try to remedy them. And start a course evaluation on the back of the book. And let us know how we're doing. Okay. Did a bad job. My name is Rob. Rob Jackson. No. <laughs>